0: The state of Vanglorious, as we are protected by the Black No, we won't renounce the debt. America bounced the check. And no, it ain't all
1: about the dough, but my people still pull reparations and so just give me what you owe. Renounce the debt America bounce the check And know it ain't all about the dough But my people still cold. Reparations too So just give me what you owe Capitalists are the enemy But we get treated like the villain When prison is homicide Cause they making a killing And war generates more loot So that's why Bush is going off Half cock like Joey But if you go don't care about jobs it seems so i gotta use my pen to get money like an atm machine the economy's at its lowest as my fault. So I, am the black man gotta work hard like male porno stars to my soldiers at a cobra hold your head is not over. Jim Crow ain't dead.
0: He just got a little older, more colder, so we gotta be less passive, more bold. So the hell can wag around when the player field a level yet? I thought you knew. Only credit they'll get from me is an I owe you, and I don't care about them damn quotas. Just give me what you owe for, force to take it back like Sam Cole. No, we won't renounce the debt. Conversation reparations, conversation reparations, conversation reparations. Welcome to the next installment of Conversation Reparations brought to you by a Cobra, a National Coalition of Blacks for Reparations in America. And I know I usually often start out by saying I'm very we're gonna have a very dynamic show and this is true. However, I'm very excited about this particular show because we decided that we would lift up our women in the reparations movement in this particular show. We we have done features on Queen Mother Moore, We've had also interviewed other women activists, we've interviewed the National Female Co-Chair of INCOBRA, uh, Mashariki Chiwanza already. However, we're going to this time um, focus the show on some of the women leaders in Encobra and in the reparations movement. And actually we have from the beginning to the present because we will have Sister Attorney Ajua Ayaturo who was the first female co-chair of Encobra, and we have again all the way up to the present, our current National Female Co-Chair, Queen Mother Mashariki Chawanza. And so we're going to uh, have them tell their story and, and their work in the reparations movement and and then we're going to spice that up with, with a few little um, tributes to some other well-known women in the reparations movement. So why don't we go ahead and um, we'll go ahead and get started. by. To start with maybe Sister um, Attorney Aju Ayoturo, and just uh, again you were the first female co-chair of INCOBRA would like to know how and why you got involved with Um, uh,
2: thank you uh, Jamoki for inviting me to be on the show and uh, be interviewed with uh, Queen Mother Mashiriki Juwanza who is our current uh, female co-chair I uh, it was at the very beginning. I, uh, in fact, uh, my my role in, in reparations started uh, in the mid '80s, and I was walking back to my office, and I saw a sign uh, by Anro, the African National Reparations Organization, and it, said, it had a picture of Uncle Sam, and it was pointing out saying, "Black folks, of U.S. owes you," and I forget how many trillions of dollars it said. Uh, and from that I started working with, uh, Nkiti Taifa, who was, uh, I think at that time the Minister of Justice of the Republic of New Africa. And then she and I worked together at, uh, she became a lawyer and, and I was a lawyer and we began working together at the National Prison Project. I was also in the leadership at that time of the National Conference of Black Warriors, and we were, we were holding, a uh, Conference and it was in 1987. By then we were holding a conference uh, on what the Constitution would have been like. It was the biennial of the U.S. Constitution, and I had been working for a couple years, you know, with kichi and supporting reparations. And uh, I, did, I was asked by the deputy uh, associate director of, of uh, NCBL to organize a panel workshop on reparations, which I did and invited Imari Obadeli, Chokwe Lamoma, Richard America, and Kichi Taifa uh, to be on the panel. And uh, Chok- yeah, I said Chokwe, I think. And uh, mm-hmm. out of that, Imari, uh, at the request of, and this is something a lot of people don't know, at the request of Dorothy Benton Lewis, who was uh, in the leadership of NCOBRA as well and as a founding member as well, she uh, asked him to issue a call for the formation of a national group that would focus solely on reparations. And that call came from Imari and initially his call said both reparations and supporting the armed struggle in South Africa. And in our first meeting, uh, the group decided it was I can't remember how many people came, but it was a hundred at least. Uh, And uh, we decided only to focus on the first meetings, I think first one or two, we decided only to focus on reparations. And then COBRA was formed uh, out of that. And with the primary sole purpose, not even primary purpose being the, the push for reparations.
0: All right. And, um, I think that um part of that story may be connected to like the conversation that was going on in, in Congress with the Japanese um reparations legislation that was moving through Congress.
2: Yeah, that passed I believe in 1988 um mm-hmm. and um that that was partly, you know, you know, we were working on reparations before that bill. But yes, mm-hmm. that gave us more motivation because the view being, look, you know, they are working towards reparations for Japanese Americans, this this gave us some inspiration and and uh in fact the first uh bill that Congressman Conyers and again the 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 request and and urging of uh in Colbert, at that point it was the Detroit chapter member uh reparations ray they called it. Uh that uh, was a, a constituent of Congressman Congress, and he you know lobbied him con- very consistently to, to introduce a bill. and uh, Congressman Congress did, and he used the model of the Japanese Americans bill uh, to do that. And his theory being because in a, in a town hall meeting we organized uh, to present the bill. there was some objection because the bill said study whether or not you know, reparations are old and and, and what injuries were still uh, existing today. And many people felt we have enough studies of black folk but enough studies of what was done to us. But his theory, Garson Connor's theory, was that if we model it after the Japanese-American bill, it's more likely to pass, he thought, because it was already, this bill had passed and had been signed by that time, had been signed by the President of the <laughs> United States.
0: All right, all right. So I'm going to, um, to use that as a segue in terms of a, um, that bill, um, uh, we'll it's end up becoming H.R. 40, to talk about an earlier petition for uh, reparations, uh, and then we'll bring in Queen Mother. Uh, so Belinda, it's now known as Belinda's Petition, um, not even... At that time, she didn't really have a last name or perhaps a, a, her enslaver's last name. This is, book is called, um, we're reading an excerpt from Belinda's Petition, uh, written by Dr. Raymond Winbush. Though rebellious, though rebellions were spontaneous, the first formal recorded petition for black redress occurred in Massachusetts in 1782 to 1783 when an ex-slave known only as Belinda petitioned the Massachusetts legislature for reparations from her former master, Isaac Royale, whom she claimed had denied the enjoyment, I'm sorry, this is a quote, had denied the enjoyment of one morsel of that immense wealth, a part whereof have been accumulated by her own industry, unquote. Her enslaver had been loyal to the British before the American Revolution and fled to Nova Scotia at the beginning of the war, leaving his 63 enslaved behind. Eight years later, in 1783, Belinda decided to petition the legislature for unpaid years of serving her former enslaver. Her petition of an African slave to the Massachusetts legislature is an eloquent statement and captures the essence of the reparation struggle by Africans in America. The opening sentences reveal Belinda's sense of dislocation wrought by her enslavement. Belinda calls herself an African and speaks lovingly of her Ghana homeland and the mental anguish of being stolen at 12 and placed in bondage. The petition argued that her labor had enriched her enslaver and that she had a right to lay claim to his estate. Her appeal for her and her daughter was successful. She was granted 12 shillings per year from the wealth that had been accumulated by the royal family at the Ten Hills Plantation as restitution for her 40 years of enslavement. As a footnote, scholars speculate that Belinda could not have written the actual petition she was illiterate. Either the black poet Phyllis Wheatley or Primus Hall, the son of Prince Hall, who founded the first black Masonic lives in the United States, are speculated to be the office. All right. So, long tradition of women standing up for and demanding reparations. So, so welcome, Queen Mother Marsha Juwanza. And, oh, thank you. And you currently serve as a national female co chair of InCobra, and we'll also ask you the same question, which is how and why did you get involved with InCobra?
3: Well, um, again, Shante Sana,
0: Jamoke, for uh,
3: number one, uh, hosting the show uh, for InCobra. Uh, and uh, highlighting you. the sisters of the movement. We appreciate that. Um, you know, I started uh, uh, Sister Courage, uh, Mama and Jerry, uh, who is from Indianapolis where I live, uh, but she moved to Detroit. And I met her after she moved to Detroit. <clears throat> and once we met, you know, we just, uh, our sisterhood uh, just kind of uh, connected and um, uh, I started uh, going to Detroit a lot. And of course, and Jerry was uh, uh, seriously involved with the RNA. Uh, and um, I used to go to meetings uh, with her. Uh, Joque Lumumba actually came to Indianapolis. <clears throat> and this was early 70s. Uh, and uh, we did a public site here here in some of the housing communities here in Indianapolis. Um, we uh, supported the RNA-11 and uh, so I was able to you know culturally bring things back to Indianapolis uh, from Detroit Um, so that was like my first I believe uh, uh, not within COBRA but just the talk of of reparations uh, with the Republican New Africa and then secondly a little later in the seventies, I met Dorothy uh, Benton Lewis, uh, Queen Mother. Uh, she came to Indianapolis for a um, African symposium, and she was selling T-shirts to hell with Baki reparations now. I'm like, <laughs> hmm, that's interesting, <laughs> and uh, and I thought Dorothy was interesting. You know, at at the time, I thought uh, you know people needed to look a certain way, you know, to to be uh a nationalist or uh uh to deal with uh you know positive things with uh black people but I was uh very much mistaken. You know, Dorothy uh, looked like uh uh um, an executive, you know, uh the mm-hmm. hair hair done, high heels and uh but I I, I come to realize that uh, she was a very dynamic, very serious sister. And so as we talked about reparations, it, it just, I knew that's what uh, we needed to be about. And um, not too long after that, like I said, this was uh, a little later in the 70s. <clears throat> so after EnCOba was formed, uh, uh, and then also along that, that time, I met uh, Brother Hannibal uh, back in 75. And uh, so knowing Brother Hannibal, Knowing Dorothy, knowing and Jerry, uh, and Cobra was a no-brainer. So, uh, you know, once it was farm, I wasn't there in the very beginning, uh, but I, I soon started to going to the conventions and uh, being a part, and then uh, did that for a number of years, and, and then I, I got on the board uh, in one of the commissions, uh, the Education Commission at the time, um, and then I am now honored to be uh, one of the many uh, female co-chairs following uh, Sister Adela. Uh and that's uh, kind of how, how I got involved uh, with things and like I said uh, after talking to uh, uh, the people that I mentioned it was a no-brainer you know uh, I've always heard of 40 acres and a mule and you know in the community it's, it's kind of it used to be uh kind of talked about jokingly yeah i never got my 40 acres in the mew. they still owe me ha 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 uh but i began to see the seriousness of that and uh, uh i'm now committed um till i die to uh, uh push forth uh the reparations movement um and another personality that I was able to uh uh meet and be in the company of and, and listen to was Queen Mother Moore. And uh so I felt I was on the right track and uh I listened and uh, hopefully I learned some of the lessons and uh uh trying to apply them now uh as the female co chair to uh push Ncobra forward.
0: Awesome, awesome. Well both of you have already mentioned some names, and so actually the next question I was gonna ask you and and maybe you could go in more detail if you would like is in terms of what women in the reparations movement inspire you and why do they inspire you. And that could
3: You can go back to Audrey, or you want me to continue? <laughs>
0: Either way. You could go ahead since okay. you're talking now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay. Uh well again I've I've, I've mentioned uh, uh, several of course. Um uh, uh in Agani, uh, uh Sister Courage. Uh and uh she uh, before her transition, you know, had actually just become my sister. You know, we we uh, met as friends and like I said, very interesting. She uh uh, was uh, kind of born and half-raised in Indianapolis and then her mom moved to Detroit, and she was back here visiting her family and uh, when I met her. Um, and so um, uh, I would, you know, p- uh, put her there. And I mentioned uh, Dorothy Benton Lewis, who, of course, I, I met who used to come to African symposiums here uh, in Indianapolis. And, uh, just talking to Dorothy and, you know, you could feel her passion and, and how, um, uh, dedicated she was to this work. And, um, then, uh, Queen Mother Moore, Mm. of course, who, uh, told us, you know, don't err and don't weary, uh, Mm -hmm. and, uh, that, uh, you know, reparations was ours and, uh, not asking for reparations demanding reparations it was the de- de- uh, demand that we needed to make so um those were um <coughs> people uh that I uh, sisters that I have met in my lifetime um and then some years ago I read um the story of Callie House and uh I mean she just has become my she uh in terms of all the work that 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 she did for reparations um for the um uh enslaved uh, uh, of enslaved people who were uh released from slavery so called uh without any means to take care of themselves and uh, so um and I continue to read her in fact her her uh book um uh, it's like a bible uh, I go back to it uh, as, you know, as I'm doing this work and to get inspiration. I mean, I'm just amazed that uh, back in the uh, uh, late 1800s, that uh, 3,000 people who were just the other day enslaved uh, could organize themselves and uh, demand uh, uh, what they called a, p- a pension. Uh, and i don't think we think about uh our enslaved uh, brothers and sisters many of them were 60 or 70 years old
0: right. and
3: uh, uh you know with nothing you know left with nothing uh, which is why they organized uh um their their group to take to uh the us government and uh um so yeah, so all the work that Cali House uh, uh has done, I think, as uh, you mentioned Sister Belinda, you know, those were kind of the uh ones in the forefront that kinda of opened the way for all of us uh to uh to move forward. And that's why I continue to do this uh work. I'm like uh they didn't stop and uh we're not gonna stop either. Oh,
0: on Callie House, I just mentioned um, her book that you mentioned is called My Face is Black is True Callie House and the Struggle for Ex Slave Reparations, written by Dr. Mary Frances Berry. And um, I was going to read some excerpts. I was trying to figure out that we just, because we know some of these stories so well, you know, do I just want to talk about them or should I actually just read some of this? Um, and actually, one of the uh, resources I was using for this show also is called Eight Women Leaders of the Reparations Movement intimate glance and that was um, produced by Linda Allen Eustace and um, Dr. Imari Obadeli. So I'll be reading some excerpts from that uh, book as well. I'd like um, to hear who the eight are. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, was while we're talking about books, I just want to go ahead and uh, mention that Queen Mother Dorothy wrote two books herself, um, one book she entitled Black Reparations Now, Solutions to the Crisis in Democracy and Black Survival in the USA, and the second, and it actually was a, she wrote these in as a series, I'm not sure if she ever completed a third one, but it's the second one is called Black Reparations, Religion and Faith Raising the Contradictions. And the eight women leaders that are in this book are Sally House, Queen Mother Moore, Dorothy Benton Lewis, Ajuaya Yaturo, Janita Scott Obadeli, Kupenda Olusegu, Joanne Watson, and Erlene Aripo. Mm-hmm. And did we leave anybody for you to talk about, uh, Sister Ajwa? <laughs> oh, I didn't know I was
2: on. I was live. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just... Well, uh, she has her own stories. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think for me, I um, agree. I agree. Well, I was inspired by and I was very close uh, with uh, uh, Dorothy Benton-Lewis, Uh, Benton Lewis, uh and uh I was also very inspired by the story of Cali House. Um, mm-hmm. I did not read Belinda's petition until maybe hmm, a few years ago. I read it while I was teaching law school a number of years ago and used it in one of the classes I taught. Um I was also inspired, and i always i say to people that inkichi taifa was my my reparations mentor once I saw that mm-hmm. sign outside mm-hmm. where I worked uh and then Ooh, began my. talking to inkichi she was she was sort of like you know I, I you know for one you know it it is a word it's not even for one of a better word it is the right word around reparations. She was my mentor around the practice of law I was her mentor initially because she uh, was a student at first at the place where we worked and then she, and then she became an attorney there. Um and then I just, the, the stories of the women, I mean, I'm, I'm inspired by people who are committed to, uh, uh, and by women who are committed to reparations and committed to doing the work. Uh, so in fact, uh, uh, Sister Mashiriki inspires me. I've told her and, and, and her husband as well how they inspire me because of their commitment. You know, I was in South Africa around the, uh, World Council Against Racism and I look up and here they come in saying, what can we do? You know, that's inspiring to me mm-hmm. because it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, a commitment and a commitment to doing the work, not, you know, uh, Not just to be somewhere to be noticed, uh, but actually it's a commitment to the work. And so, and that's inspiring to me. It's encouraging, which is what I think inspiration does. It encourages you. Uh, so I was, I was inspired by, I did not know well Queen Mother um, more, but I had met her on a couple of occasions, maybe more than a couple. And she inspired me because even yeah, I remember in Detroit, uh, we had a conference in Detroit. I can't remember what year. And she, uh, she and uh, I don't know if you remember this, uh, Sister Bashiriki, but um, she and uh, uh, what's the Rosa Parks came to that mm-hmm. same conference, yeah. and they were both it was in 94. wheelchairs. It was it '94, yeah. and I think they both were in wheelchairs. I know Queen Mother was, and I believe Rosa Parks was as well. Yeah. And that was inspiring. I mean, it's, um, uh, to, to meet her, and I think I had met her before that, that year, but I'm just saying to meet someone, uh, and meet both of them, even though the, their commitment was into, to similar, you know, the liberation of black folk, right? You know, and maybe right. some different perspectives or whatever, but, uh, to meet someone that had, had been raising up call and demand for reparations and all over and she was an internationalist, Queen Mother Moore, she was an internationalist and so um, you know, she'd been to Africa and UN and you know there was in the states but also meetings in other countries around it so all of that is inspiring to me because for me you know I uh, I look at uh, women that I have worked with or know of their work like Callie House and I am um, I really am honored n- number one to know their stories even even if I never met mm-hmm. them but honored to know their stories and the ones that I've met honored mm-hmm. to have, have worked with them and most particularly is the heart um, that I connect with the most because, you know, we can be different and have different views or whatever. But the heart of the women, if since you're talking about the women uh, that I've met in this movement who are really committed and it's about the work, uh, and, and that's something that I know Mashariki has said a number of times it's about the work. Uh, and other women have said that too. And that's just it's uplifting and inspiring
0: yes 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 um, uh, mm, um I'm, I'm I'm sitting here thinking well actually we're we're at the uh, time where we take a short break uh, uh radio i d so we'll go ahead and do that at this point and come back on the other side, listening to conversation reparations
4: Wait.
3: Writer,
1: Black Talk Radio since 2008, providing new black media for the masses.
0: Welcome back to Conversation Reparations. And I was just sitting here thinking about, you know, doing an interview where sometimes you're, you know, you're an interviewer, and then but you're also a participant. <laughs> and so it's kind of interesting because, you know, you know, COBRA is set up with dual leadership, male and female co-chairs at the national level and at the local level and on committees and commissions usually. And so in in that um, regard, for example, Sister um, Queen Mother and Jerry Alghani and I worked very closely for many years here in the Atlanta chapter of incobra, and um, developed a very good rapport and uh, and uh, always looked up to her. It was always funny to me that um not funny it was just interesting to me that when I would you know move around in Atlanta, and I would say I'm working with incobra reparations and most of the time people would say, You know Mama and Jerry? I say, Yes, I know Mama and Jerry <laughs> Yes, actually we work together. And um Queen Mother Dorothy Benton Lewis also an inspiration working with her and Cobra. And hopefully we'll play a little clip. I was trying to find a better clip. This is a clip where she was actually doing a debate, so it's uh but I just wanted to hopefully we'll be able to just hear hear her speak a little bit in this debate. This was actually held in um England. I had seen some other videos of her, but I wasn't able to find them before the show. However, we do have um, one um, clip, hopefully, we'll be able to play uh, in this uh, before the end of this show. One of the women I wanted to lift up that a lot of people don't realize was a reparations activist is Sojourner Truth. Uh, Sojourner Truth, after having worked with um, some of the what did they call them, the camps that they had after enslavement, I guess they were like refugee camps, They re, is what they called them, for the um, formerly enslaved Africans, and she um, saw the condition of those um, situations and felt like, you know, there needs to be some more uh, stronger form of redress and recompense for our um, formerly enslaved Africans, so she spoke with a uh, senator and I've been trying to find this book uh, it actually had the actual wording that she spoke with a senator who said he would introduce a bill um, that she was proposing to give uh, formerly enslaved Africans 20 acres and a mule out west where they were already giving out land in um, Oklahoma and Nebraska area and so she proposed that as a form of reparations and the Senator said he would do it. Um, just show that there's some support for it. Well, that was easy for her to do because she had already been uh, established herself on the speaker circuit, and she had, you know, different women's groups and different organizations in different cities that could host her. And this time, she came, you know, went back around to many of those uh, places where she had been before speaking, but specifically speaking on this idea uh, of reparations being in the form of land. And some resources out west to get them out of these um, squalid conditions that they were in. And so she did do that and she circulated the petition and bought it. And when she came back to Washington about a year later, that senator had transitioned. So um, she wasn't able to find anyone who was interested in um, putting that forward. So um, I know many people are familiar with Sojourner Truth but may not be familiar with that aspects of her story. Mm-hmm. So this time we'll, we'll bring it back to you Mama Ajwa and see, ask you what um what will you say are some of your accomplishments when as a leader in Encobra and the reparations movement or things that stand out to you maybe just accomplishments in general of the reparations movement since you got involved in it.
2: I think the biggest accomplishment of the movement has been more and we stuck with it. Um many, you know, t- times, you know, there are people who have come in and out of our movement. Um in and out of Encobra, in and out of the leadership of Encobra, but there was a strong core that stayed the course so to speak and um never uh, you know, gave up the demand or the a commitment to the movement to to realize the demand to obtain reparations, and so for me that's one of the strongest accomplishments. Because if we look at when we where we started, when we first started in Cuba, it was primarily the, the demand for reparations was was primarily, if not. Um, I don't think totally, because, you know, I wasn't in the nationalist movement as such, but it was primarily grounded in the nationalist community. Now it has expanded. It's still strongly in the nationalist community. I'm not saying it's not, but it has expanded. And one of the things I think is, is that's partly owed to Encobra, uh, or, uh, because we made a commitment at our first meeting Meetings in the formation of Encobra that our, our commitment was to take it out of and spread it beyond, not, not eliminate it from the national community, but to take it into what we, what could be called the mainstream black community and, and other communities. Uh, and, and we did, I mean, Dorothy was a Delta, so she got the Delta Sigma Theta sorority to sign on, uh, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, we had uh, uh, others who were in, were in other sororities. I'm blanking on
0: um, Janita Scott ter- Obadeli. Huh? Janita Scott Obadeli.
2: Yeah, Janita Scott Obadeli sorority signed on. She was the second national co-chair. Uh, mm-hmm. We got. Uh, we went to the National Bar Association and got the, their mm-hmm. board of governors to endorse. And, in fact, for a number of years they had a task force on it on reparations uh we got the under ben ben chavis or ben muhammad uh i think it was chavis at the when he was with the naacp i'm not mm-hmm. sure it might have been muhammad mm-hmm. that um they signed on and they still are on i mean they still have it in their legislative commission mm-hmm. a legislative office is uh has has that as one of their uh focuses uh and so i for me that was that's one of the major accomplishments because right now here we are with the bill that was initially introduced HR uh, forty initially introduced and reintroduced every congressional session which is every two years uh, by Congressman Congress until two seventeen when he left office in two seventeen. The bill, in fact, was uh, modified to make it really a study bill of the form of reparations, not weather reparations, but the form of reparations. And then that bill has was reintroduced in 2019 by Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee. And we have 122 congresspeople who have co-signed that bill. That's three times bigger, more than three times bigger. I think the largest number we had up until... 2019 2019 was like 35 oh. congress people so in just a year year a little more than a year we've 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 more than tripled the number of congress people who are co-sponsoring it for the first time ever we have a, had a bill introduced by Cory Booker in the Senate a companion bill uh, in April of 2019 uh so I think all of these are accomplishments by, led by. You know, I always hate when someone wants the organization wants to take total responsibility for something because we know it's not totally in Cobra's respon. You know, reason for, it. but we played. I would say a overwhelming uh, influence and in a majority of the effort to do that. Staying with it and. uh and uh, and really pushing it and getting other organizations to to see it and I wrote a piece in Co in Cobra's magazine called In Cobra and the name of the piece I wrote that back years ago uh, I don't know if I still have it even I think uh, Woollett might have it our ed- he's, was he was in charge of our education now yes yeah. and yeah. uh, but it's called uh, people it's basically people join a moving train. And that was my piece. You know, there's, you know, there's those of us who start the train rolling, we get on, we keep pulling it on, moving it on. But people, many people won't join until they think, oh, this is going somewhere, right? Right. Yes. You know, and so it's those those of us who are steadfast and, you know, from the beginning and started in Cobra and stayed within Cobra and came on and joined like, like Sister Mashariki, like Yuja Moki, who took take leadership and committed to it but there are others who join because they say oh man they're doing something oh let me join this group uh and i think that's what happened within i know that's what happened within cobra
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right and the same question to you masuwiki i guess she was uh, my module was was more Broad, so maybe if you want to share maybe some of the things that you feel like you have accomplished personally being involved in CObra, or you can speak generally as well
3: um, one of uh, a high priority uh, of mine since I have been in leadership is to uh, uh bring the coalition back to uh, in in Cobra uh and we uh, uh it is a coalition, I think sometimes people tend to forget they look at us as an organization um, and uh many of the uh, organizations that sister otawa has has mentioned you know people still affiliate themselves with us, but we're trying to expand and and bring in more organizational members um, past couple of years we brought in ASCAT. we brought in um the um, uh, community healing network uh which has been uh, uh, great uh, uh for us and to have uh, uh sister Enola and uh, and her group working with us and um, um, this is uh, the end of my second term uh and it has um, been a high priority uh to try to to bring uh, uh, groups back uh and as uh, sister was said we um you know, look at H.R. 40 and how it has grown within a year. And because of that attention, uh, and of course, you know, I agree with her, and COBRA has laid the groundwork for uh, most of that, uh, you know, people are now paying it, uh, paying more attention to us. Uh, yeah, a lot of people, you know, want to know that it's popular before they, uh, you know, lend their assistance. So, um um, looking forward to continued growth uh uh in the coalition area to bring uh, organizations in um you know I try to tell people preparations is is for all of us uh it's it 's not a nationalist thing you know it 's not a, a any one particular thing it 's for all our people uh because we all have uh uh suffered uh here in this country and we continue to suffer uh so um I believe people are opening up and listening and paying attention, and um, uh, I look forward to the continued
0: growth. All righty. Yes. We have um, broadened the scope of reparations, and COBRA has done a lot of good work around that. and. A lot of work has been, um, not all credited to doing in but the movement for reparations has definitely grown and been more and more embraced by different groups and organizations. We've talked about some of that in some of our past episodes. What I would like to um, bring out now is another story that people um, may not be familiar with. Um, I just discovered this story myself last year about a woman named Henrietta Wood And um, on April 17, 1878, 12 white jurors entered a federal courtroom in Cincinnati, Ohio, to deliver the verdict in a now-forgotten lawsuit about American slavery. The plaintiff was Henrietta Wood, described by a reporter at that time as a speckled, speckled Negro woman, apparently 60 years old. The defendant was zebulon ward a white man who had enslaved wood 25 years before she was suing him for twenty thousand dollars in reparations two days earlier jury had watched as wood took the stand her son arthur who lived in chicago was in the courtroom born into bondage in kentucky wood testified she had been granted her freedom in cincinnati in 1848 but five years later she was kidnapped by ward who sold her and she ended up enslaved on a Texas plantation until after the Civil War. She finally returned to Cincinnati in 1869, a free woman. She had not forgotten Ward and sued him the following year. The trial began only after eight years of litigation, leaving Wood to wonder if she would ever get justice. Now she watched nervously as the 12 jurors returned to their seats finally. They announced a verdict that few expected. We, the jury, and the, this is a quote, we the jury and above entitled cause do fine for the plaintiff and assess her damages in the premises of $2,500. <laughs> Though a fraction of what Wood had asked for, the amount would be nearly $65,000 a day. It remains the largest known sum ever granted by US court in restitution for slavery. and. This also is in a book entitled The Sweet Taste of Liberty, True Story of Slavery and Restitution in America. There's a lot more to the story, obviously, but I just wanted to share um, that with you. Uh, The author's name is W. Caleb McDaniel, and again, the name of that book is Sweet Taste of Liberty, A True Story of Slavery and Restitution in America. So as we begin to wind down, the time is going by fast. We um, would just um, ask two questions then. So just, well, just some ask what do you think is the role of women has been in, in Cobra and the reparations movement? And maybe just some final thoughts the comments that you would have. And I just wanted to share this. I remember hearing Brother James Rogers at the time with the, um, speaking uh, about his involvement with NCOBRA and how he felt that it was really the women in, of NCOBRA who he looked to in terms of their leadership and looked to in terms of their, their guidance and their mentoring of him. And um, even when I think about NCOBRA, I think about how some of the women uh, met, um, co-chairs to have maybe someone even outshadowed the male co-chair I don't know if we can really compare you know different leadership styles but we have had some really dynamic uh, women um, female co-chairs so I'll just leave it at that but um, <laughs> yeah what do you think of the, the role of women has been in Cobra and what would you like to leave us with some final thoughts
3: well I, I think um, uh, the role of women I, I think what we do is create a balance. Uh, and uh, I have been uh, extremely uh, in, inspired by the uh, women uh, leadership uh, uh, in uh, uh Sister Audra, when I first came in, uh, you know, was leading um, legal strategies. And uh, I used to just be in awe with all the, the work that was involved uh trying to um uh, pull these suits together and in fact uh, the legal strategies uh, commission did do that um and i was like wow it's serious people here <laughs> and uh, uh and it inspired me because when you're around people that work uh you, you can't slouch not really you know uh, it inspires you to be the best that you can be and and do the best that you can do and, uh, also the seriousness, uh, of, of some of the women, uh, uh, uh Audra included, particularly Dorothy, uh, and Jerry. Um, I mean, just, just serious. Uh, you know, Demoka, you know, as well as I do, you know, and Jerry considered this her life's work, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and worked it, you know, uh, unfortunately her, her, untimely, uh, uh, death. She was on her way to the uh, uh convention. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were there waiting on her. So um, yeah, I, I see uh, women's role <laughs> as uh, ba- balancing. And, you know, of course, we're nurturers, so, you know, we, we do that too. Uh, and uh, a lot of times when we form committees, you know, we have to be deliberate uh, and making sure that uh, women are included uh, uh, so that we can have that balance. And I believe that the uh, uh, founders of Encobra uh, made that deliberate statement when, uh, you know, it's in our policy that we will have male, female uh, leadership. And uh, that has worked well for us. Uh, and I think we, uh, in fact, uh, uh, can be a model uh, because a lot of uh, groups do not have that. I
2: All think right. in addition to what Mashariki um, has shared, when we found in co, we used the model of the National Conference of Black Lawyers that had in their bylaws that you had to have a male and female co-chair, um, and the Reason for it at that time, and it's changed now because of the, just the shrinkage and membership of that organization. To be quite honest, but um, the reason we did it uh, was so often. And in, in, in we can, you know, talk historically about. I mean, you know. Uh, our black organizations, from the Panther Party and w c t perhaps I know uh, uh, SCS, uh, SNCC and others, where you had women who were actually doing the work, but there were, the men were in fact the ones that were, you know, holding the positions and getting the credit and acclaim and all of that, and so organizations such as NCBL and and in Cobra adopted that pattern may have made it clear that there has to be co-leadership uh and uh, uh because because that that's one of the reasons for it one of the major reasons for it uh because we don't we we didn't want to have the continuation of a pattern where the women were you know doing leadership type work but not really in the leadership oh. and not seen as being uh leadership even within the organization when they were actually doing you know in fact sometimes more than 50% of the work uh and so it is an acknowledgement in that vein uh of of women of women leaders uh and so it it, it addresses uh in many instances the historic in some ways uh it addresses on in terms of visibility the historic uh uh sexism and and and, uh-huh. and uh, against women uh uh where you know uh we could you know we can be the ones that do the work behind the scenes but it's the man that has you know is the is the, the leader. leader you know <laughs> um and so i i think it, what it has done with that in Cobra, for example, and, and since we're talking about in Cobra, it has made it very clear and, and consistent, uh, uh, that you have, you know, that to the extent, you know, I mean, maybe if in Cobra, hopefully it never does, gets to the point where we may not be able to do both male, female, uh, because as in CBL has had to go to just a president or a a chairperson because of the low membership. But it, it will then instill in us that women leaders can, women can be leaders and we won't fall back mm-hmm. onto a male dominated leadership model. Uh, so I agree that there's some balance, a balance in leadership actually balances out, I think, the the voices because we have male voices and female voices in in on our board and in you know as you know as well as not just the 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 male and female co chair but for me, I think the one of the biggest things is to be able to lift up women leadership and debunk this myth that has historically followed us in the u s and in other parts of the world I don't want to just say because we're here in the u s though is where women's voices have been kind of pushed down.
0: Uh-huh. Yes, uh,
2: uh, Jamoka, hmm Yeah, so uh I'd I'd
3: just like to uh raise up the, the name of uh um and uh, sister Andrew had mentioned her, uh Janita
2: Obadelli. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um
3: uh, she also has been a, a female co chair and uh, you know, did so with uh, dignity and I, I really admired her. Uh, when she was uh, in office and I remember uh, she was uh, head of one of the commissions and we had an election and uh, they said we're going to nominate you again she said no don't nominate me again bring in somebody new let Mm -hmm. someone else do it and I always uh, uh, remembered that uh, uh, because you know she was always trying to push people uh, but her her she just had such a dignified style, and I really uh, admired her and I've uh, taken some lessons from her, also.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I was sitting here just remembering, and you mentioned Ijua, uh Queen Mother Mashariki, um, and made me think about. I don't know if I've ever shared this story with you on um, my You know, you were one of the main reasons why I joined in Cobra.
2: <laughs> I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, so I was at my <laughs> I was at my very first encobra convention, it was held in Atlanta. I signed up to be a volunteer and I was working and then I went into I guess it probably would have been the board meeting and uh, it was like a real intense conversation going on and you know, people were very um, strong about the two different positions. I don't remember what was being discussed. But I remember you standing up and just like synthesizing the two positions and then taking it to the next level. And I was just like, wow, I want to be around. I want to be in this brilliance. I want to be close, associated with this <laughs> level of intelligence and brilliance. And and uh, I raised my hand after you said what you said. I just said, I second that emotion. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Thank you for sharing that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just re- I, yeah, I I realized I never told you that. So Mm-mm. anyway, <laughs> yes, it, yeah, reparations for me helped me because I was, grew up, considering uh, consider myself more a cultural nationalist and a black nationalist, but also an activist and, you know, like bringing all of that together. You know, the reparations movement, you know, allows us to deal with every aspect of. You know issues in in our community, in my opinion, from mm-hmm. culture mm-hmm. to to sovereignty and nationhood to po- politics to justice to everything. Mm-hmm. So it brought it all together. But that specific meeting, I was inspired. <laughs> well, I'm glad,
2: <laughs> by glad I conversation did. Conversation
0: and by you. Thank Specifically. you. Yeah,
2: One yeah. of the things you oh. just said, if I could add this, you re- reminded me of uh, my our. our one of our first uh, members of the elder board, Ron uh, Walters. In fact, he might have been Mm -hmm. uh, the first. Uh, And I was meeting with him one day back in the 80s, late 80s, uh, early 90s, and we had lunch, and I just said, how are we going to get people to embrace reparations? And he said, "Uh, you have to connect it to their struggles. And connect it mm-hmm. to what they are are dealing with, not some generalized, you know, pie in the sky demand. Uh, and uh, and since that time, I've always worked, and and Cobra has done so as well. It's one of the things that. That we did in the Legal Strategies Commission is to develop the five injury areas, so that people could Mm -hmm. see the connection between Mm -hmm. their injury. That what what we were fighting now, because people may be in housing, or they may be in education, or they may be Uh struggling for justice, and you know, wealth and poverty, or you know, the economic system, or whatever. And and that was part of the inspiration that. That we took into that was that we connected it because a lot of times people say, well, you know, I, I can't, you know, I, I, you know, I support that, but you know, reparations is way off. You know, I'm working uh, against, you know, the uh, harsh incarceration and disparities in incarceration and the targeting of black men and women into the incarceration system, and we can show the connection between that. Uh, and reparations that is, as as my colleague and friend Charles Ogletree would say, it's an unbroken chain, and it's from slavery Mm -hmm. to now. And that's what we want reparations for, those injuries uh, that are connected to our enslavement but are also part of what we now call the legacy of enslavement. So when we talk to people about reparations, we can connect it to they're in, what they're feeling, you know, their poverty, their, all of uh-huh.
0: those things. Awesome. So let me thank you both, Queen Mother Marsha Riki Juanda, for being a, a part of this show and the work that you do and your leadership within COBRA, as well as you, Mama Ajua Ayatoru, and continuing work that you do now with the Legal Strategies. Commission of INCOBRA and just the work you do in general for in the reparations movement, and I think we hopefully got time to play this clip by Queen Mother Dorothy Benton Lewis. We have the clip ready.
1: Oh, I'm I'm sorry, I didn't get the memo from you on the clip. Did how did you send it to me, and I okay. can pull it up?
0: Um, did you text? I emailed it to you
1: you emailed it okay let me just open Mm -hmm. up my email and if y'all could just continue to talk while I do that Mm -hmm. but I will say this Mm -hmm. while I do that y'all I appreciate the information Um, one of the questions from I'm just going to say silly people who say well why do the U.S. need to study reparations just cut the check and I'm (laughs) glad that y'all provided an answer um, is that because it was modeled after the successful um, attempt to get reparations by the Japanese, and I did not know that. So next time I hear somebody say something silly like that, because my thing was is, well, the government needs to document it officially itself. You know, Everybody knows slavery happened. That's a given. So I, I think it's pretty silly for you to say, to think that they're just going to cut a check without, you know, doc, doing the official documentation in those study committees and then coming up with the proposals.
2: And part of that is a resistance, too. I mean, I think you're absolutely correct. Uh, at this stage, uh, the, you know, for the government to to provide reparations or to give reparations to any group, they have to have, a you know, a documentation or a paper trail, but... We know they know, and so part of it has been a resistance because they really if they had done what they should have done after the crime against humanity they committed uh against African peoples and enslaving us, and Aww. if they had done what they should have done unless mm-hmm. you know after they decided well, you know and they had to, they fought a war, this wasn't like them all of a sudden waking up and saying, "Oh, this is wrong." Uh, they fought a war and then, then we were, uh, our, our, ancestors, uh, were in, I always say in quotes free, uh, because mm-hmm. the continuing legacy of slavery kept us in, in many right. time, in bondage in many ways. But if they had mm-hmm. done what they should have done then and given our ancestors reparations, given them back pay, given them the land, uh, uh, and that, then we wouldn't be here dealing with this now. Mm-hmm. So the the, the 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 debt has compounded because of their resistance, and part of their resistance is that they never felt we were equal to white people, particularly them. I mean, you know, the whole Constitution mm-hmm. was actually geared towards property white men, mm-hmm. uh, and so part of the huge size of the debt now and the the uh, was the fact of their resistance to our own humanity.
1: Now, the resistance that I was talking about, you know, for the people that say, why do you need to study it? Just cut the check. This is from a group of people who I shall not name, who are (laughs) who I see out here bad mouthing in Cobra. And I'm like, well, show me your works, you know. And, And that's one of the things that they use to bad mouth and say, I don't like H.R. 40. What they need to study it for, which I thought was very ignorant. And it's probably disin, a disingenuous uh, complaint anyway. But I'm ready to play the clip well, whenever okay. y'all are ready for me to. So, Please so, go ahead and respond if you have something to say.
3: Okay, yeah. I, I would just uh, like to share with you uh, uh, my mentor, Brother Hannibal Freak, has always said to us, it doesn't matter what you say. It's what you do as to who you truly are. So, uh, you know, the naysayers, the the, the critics, uh, I, I'm like you, bruh. Where's your work? Where's your cause? Uh, because it's, and it's enough work out here for all of us.
1: Okay, Jamoke, okay, I'm ready to play the clip. I'm going to go ahead and start it. All right.
2: Struggling hard for okay. a justice system for all. Black people all right. well. Let's and see what Dorothy Benson Lewis system. is going to say. The, the way
4: you repair a wrong of having stolen land is to give it back. The way That's you right. repair a wrong of having stolen lifetimes of labor is to pay, make recompense for it. Already, we the, have, the a, of what, what can be done in the spiritual arena is done to, by God or somebody. But material wealth has to be done are you, materially. I,
2: please, are you telling me that you want better education
1: only for blacks?
4: And you want no, better housing only for blacks? Absolutely not. Because of course, that's not Re- right, that's what I Reparations includes education. The whole edifice has to be unraveled. That just because Africans receive reparations doesn't mean that. We're not talking about white people, you know, you pay me reparations. We're talking about the U.S. government in the U.S. Mm-hmm. The U.S. And government the US, the US pays billions of dollars. With the U.S. government rebuilt Europe. The US government has supported Israel for the past 40 or 50 years. The US government has never made reparations to the Africans or to the extent it should to the Native Americans. Let's
2: unpack this a bit. Are you for reparations for African Americans only, or are you talking about reparations, which we'll come to later on, for Africans too? You're talking very much specifically about African Americans. I am an African,
4: born born and kidnapped in America. So I'm saying that not only do I need reparations for the labor that I was in, entitled to as an inheritance from my foreparents, and the continuing impact. But I also lost land in, in Africa. Millions of Africans were taken from Africa. We were land people. Okay.
0: So- All right. That was um, mm-hmm. Queen Mother. Is actually about an hour. Yeah, Queen Mother Dorothy Ben Lewis. There's actually about an hour and twenty minute um, uh, debate. Just one small snippet of it. Um, so, thank you. You've been listening to Conversation Reparations, brought to you by Encobra. Our website is EncobraOnline.org. That's N C O B R A, EncobraOnline.org. You can reach me directly, Brother Jumoke Fitayo, at reparationsj at gmail.com. Reparationsj at gmail dot com or six seven eight four three seven seven eight eight two, and we thank you for listening to Conversation Reparations by Incobra. Good night. Good
1: night, Sante
2: Good night. Thank Good night. you. Bye bye. all about the dough, but my people still pull reparations,
1: do so just give me what you owe. No, we won't renounce the debt. America bounced the check. And no, it ain't all about the dough, but my people still pull reparations, do so just give me what you owe. Capitalists are the enemy, but we get treated like the villain when prison is homicide, because they're making a killing. And war generates more loot, so that's why Bush is going off. Half cock like Joey, but if you go don't care about jobs it seems So I gotta use my pen to get money Like an ATM machine The economy's at as low as my fault That's so the black man gotta work hard Like male porno stars to my soldiers at A Cobra, Hold your head, it's not over Chip Crow ain't dead He just got a little older, more colder So we gotta be less passive, more bolder So the hell can wag the rope the playing field ain't level yet I thought you knew Only credit that